Flanderoy. And I'm Kareem, and welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where... Fabulous, here with the heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> hey, sis. Wampon. If I'm ranting with the AC sound, the AC is something come up. If I'm watching the they believe in your background with your plants there. Listen to me. Listen to me. People uh-huh. jealous of my background. They want to know, oh, how do I take care of so many plants if only them know sit. <laughs> yeah, it's always a bad. How have you been? Child, my son again finally come down after the, the cliff, the precipice, everything on me did depend. Like this week has been the most unproductive I've been. And a lot of it, like it's just like exacerbated by the 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 election like me never disciplined in the first place we still don't do nobody work and then the election come and just have everything just not this weird balance and i think we're still on tuesday and i read the dissertation i think we put in a paragraph and i was like all right we can't do no more i'm tired then we get up we got sam's club we find tissue we just find everything to distract myself but with the news that was that came out saturday i'm feeling much better and it's so weird how like immediately I felt this sense of relief and I'm like, all right, I'm ready for the work now. Yeah, like ready for, you know, like literally feel like me to roll up my sleeve and start type or start figure out how I'm start getting involved because, yeah, good girl, Kamala. Yeah, it was like, I mean, and that's our topic for today, so we'll get into it. But like from where I sit, it was almost like everybody was holding their breath from Tuesday all the way to Saturday and then the world just let out a collective sigh of relief. Listen. All right. We know the answer. We know what happened. All the celebration them happened. And yeah, it was very that. So I mean my week was kind of consumed by that as well, but I've also been working on some some things outside of work. So I submitted this paper. Me and Sue did a joint paper and we submitted it to the publishers or well, when the reviewers. Um so they will let us know what they think, if they think we need to add or change anything. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed, 2021, the Morian Anglin will be a citable reference. <laughs> so, yeah, girl. Yeah, come there for the citation, then. Yeah, girl. But some other plan, like, if you publish on for another, just put up one of the chairs, picture them, we'll decide that they, you can't do both, bitch. Nah, look, you love rap the people in boats now. It's a boat for rap. Keep them talking, honey. Shake the room. That's my new phrase now. Shake the room, so we Oh, she's shaking the table. <laughs> um, so there was that. And then there's, uh, you know, just there's this other, this other research thing that I'm working on. I'm a little bit behind, but trying to keep up as much as possible. But as you know, girl, the police are washed away. My entire room is a riverbed right now. It don't look good. Take up enough stuff and say, May I go gym coming? I really go in a one week. And child, um, but as I try, but as I try, be a responsible adult. And yeah, I'm in the info now. I'm in the info now. My sister, they have a group chat and I'm just uh, like, them send video and she said, Sit the road out there, say, No, I be a water and look what I run up in the man yard. No, I said, Jesus. My other sister said, Right now, everybody else a leak. She said, I mean, She don't care if she else just be a little leak. Because she said, Fear about through my leak. And she just, She don't know. She don't know. She don't know. She don't make it so. I said, No, something, you know. But I mean, I like, because like, Sometimes I hear them story there, I'm a Mr. Excitement of them rain there. Like when they're at Jamaica, I hear them rain there, Mr. Excitement, but then my family must say, all right, for not because you're also now leaking. I mean, say somebody else now watch us. So. Yeah, that was, yeah. I was gonna ask though, in terms of weather, what, what are things like where you are? It's beautiful. Like, and it's, I mean, it's, we're in that weird season, but 
this weekend has been like a steady 70 no more like no more than 78 and so it's real it's that nice weather where it's like shit if summer could have been this all year like if this could be the weather all year round like you could get over that cute layer or not they can get over that cute shots or not like it's just a nice look of balance um and it just so befitting for the weekend because everybody outside, everybody outside, and not jump on me ear the alarm, them I go off my ear. Um, like people just out in the street now because it's nice. But after this, I think it took us so nice. But my like, oh, anytime you are talking over there, you're kind of connected to the kind of clothes you can wear. You see you? <laughs> out of there, can wear shorts. Because that's how I, <laughs> that's how I experience it. <laughs> what do we can Right. Which outfit we never get for pull up? Not the one we can get to it right now. So, um, listeners, you might have noticed that there's something a little bit different about the podcast. Um, um, we are one member less. Um, and so, Cornell, you want to rat it? Kareem, <laughs> see that? Kareem, you wanna? Share with the listeners. <laughs> sure. So um, Cornell is um, no longer with Fish Tea because Sis is going on to explore and take on bigger things. Um, and so we wish her well in her. We wish him well in the next chapter, in the next phase of his life. Um, because this is, sis, remember she's especially upon the job market and all these things. So these new responsibilities and so on um, is preventing her from being a part of Fish Tea in that bigger capacity. And so we wish her well. And so please continue to send her all the positive vibes. I'm sure she'll still be around in some way um, and still very much accessible. So until then, you will be hearing from Glen Rye and me. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep up same way. You know, she had a little razzmatazz <laughs> to, the, to the dynamic here. Um, and I really just want to say thank you so much, Carnell, for being the, the, bridge, the, the brain behind Fish Tea, being the driving force in the initial stages and having the vision to have something like this. Um, we thank you for all you've provided to both of us on this platform. And um, we wish you well. And there will always be a space for you here. So if you want... Jump back on, you know, come kiki with your girls, you know. I look idea jumping in it, can't I can't touch one of the power show not say. But this is the week, yeah. Yeah, we really appreciate it. All the best, sweetie. We love you. <laughs> so with that said, when it starts out, what did suffer carry? We did. So what's up about the US elections? Like it did unavoidable. Although the Jamaica elect the Jamaica PP election is announced that so there's also that. Right. But but we're focusing on the US elections like the Jamaica Observer will just throw it in at the same time something and they catch up the winner of the PP elections over the side. Did um, they really? They really did. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking about that, but more in the insider perspective. What kind of voting you did do? Nearly Mailing, like my state was strictly mailing ballots. Um, they weren't opening to have you come in and do the typical ballots. And this is my first time voting in a national in the the national election, so um, I was really looking forward to that experience. But it was just as fulfilling and empowering, honestly, being able to like fill out the ballot. It was nerve wracking because if you make one mistake, then your ballot can then can disregard the ballot, right? And can take forever to get the next one, possibly. But um, my state was mail-in ballots. Some people, you could, they had the option. Um, but no, we, we filled it out. We dropped it off. At, we could either mail it back or drop it off at these like, designated spots, these designated boxes. Or on the day of the actual election, you could go to where you would have um, done your traditional voting and, um, and, and submit it then. But of course, we live now in Jamaica also. Like my mother and my grandmother never did take the chance. So every day them tell her the deadline I come, the deadline I come, and I'll drop out to something. So luckily I followed them, I dropped it off, and um we actually got like a receipt in the mail saying that you know it was valid and it was counted. So I did my part and yeah, my just, what I know, I just feel good. Yeah, talk to us about that. Oh yes. Ren, my just like so I was on edge. Um 
not just these few weeks, last few days or last few weeks, but just throughout this whole like Trump presidency, it was just like this. You don't need politics to tell you that some of the shit that you that's coming out your mouth is um, is wrong or is just ignorant. It was it was weird being in a space where every day something could attack some aspect of your livelihood or your identity, whether it was the LGBTQ aspect or the immigrant aspect or just being black or just any given day that something could go off and it just felt like I was in limbo, constant limbo. Um, but now, and it's funny because right, we talk about this, this symbolic piece um, on our previous episode, I think at the start of this season, we spoke about this, like what the symbolic um, representation and immediately I feel better. And you could tell that people around me feel better. When you, when you look over all over my Twitter, people are already speaking better. My different group chats, people are already like in high spirits. This morning on church, people are already like, like the worship experience feel, felt different because people are just so relieved to know that they don't have to deal with Trump anymore. And we're not even worried about all these lawsuits and so on that he's threatening because honestly, all of them are baseless. and. Um, one girl. Can we talk about Georgia? Georgia, we want to talk about Lord Jesus. Good girl, Stacey Abrams in Georgia. I love, I love her. I love her too. But the, the reason why we bring it up, everybody knows it. Georgia, no matter how much black people that it is the South. Yes. The South. Yes. Right. And what, like, watching Georgia flip was the most unexpected and North Carolina is, is really close too. Mm -hmm. Watching those states like it go down to the white. That was like wow. Yep. I mean Florida will be Florida. But <laughs> just watching those two states and it almost happened. I was like, damn. Like I mean I said no lie. Me did me not tell no lie. Never put it on the podcast. Me did take Trump like have eight years. I never oh, I yeah. In America, for Trump. Why? And this is my view. My view has always been that Trump represents a side of America that has felt like they have been silent, uh, been silenced by progressive, um, the progressive, um, the progressive side of things, the progressive um, faction of society. They felt like they've been silenced, and in Trump, they saw themselves. And the, and for me, I mean, we can just point to the facts that it wasn't just. Um, Biden that broke records, Trump broke records, and that you right. and I mean a lot of the CNN, ABC, NBC, they were all saying, "Oh, America it shows how divided America is. America is deeply divided." And there's a mm -hmm. portion of them that feel like Trump represents that he's speaking for them. He's being as crass um, as they would like to be, but don't feel like they can be. And so I feel like that's a big part of who America really is, and I thought Trump would have won. No, absolutely. And it's not even, um, and I think that's what part of a lot of the anxiety was around, right? But I think what I heard somebody say with Trump is that he really got too complacent and he got too sure of himself. So even those same people that he were engaging, at least some of the others that were more like teetering on the borderline as to whether or not they want to do that, he kind of made it easier for them to switch because they were actually interviewing people who um, were former Trump supporters, or you know, we we were with it, we were with the arguments, we um, supported his policies, but and that but was that he started to just like some of them were like, you know, he started to become too divisive, or some we just didn't agree with some of the stuff that he was saying, or just he 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 became so sure of himself that he literally like gave it away. Because I mean, if you look at the numbers, like right, why these some of these states were so. So the race was so like impressive in some of these states because it was such a slim margin. Right? So it's not just Georgia, it's Pennsylvania, right? Until he started going along. It's Nevada, it's, um, what are the other flip states? The, the, is it Michigan or Wisconsin, I think? Like it's, it's those states where some of them were traditionally red states that they would say, right? Traditionally Republican, um, flipping now because he's lost that slim that small population that was always in between but somehow always ended up on the republican side I was like you know what mm -mm. we can't do with you no more you're doing you're not doing enough um and i think this pandemic really showed him up as well 
Um, and I think people really started seeing him, well, probably not even seeing him, but just doing what they do, right? We're sick of you, so we're going to go try the other side. Like, it's, why you have those diehard, loyal people who we know you're doing shit, we don't have proof for some, um, for some of the claims that you made, but because you said it, we're going to go go with it. And that's the part that scares me, right? When you think about those people who are so gung-ho Trump and like just diehard Republican that they wouldn't even listen to anything else that is being said, this will scare me because right now I have some family member. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. But just, I mean, for me, he, I mean, I think people, so like when they think about you, you need to hear all of the narratives that they've used on, uh, in America to talk about a return to grace, a return to civility. That, mm-hmm. It's kind of strikes me still that he could have been all those things, not very graceful, not very civil, very divisive, and still got over 70 million votes. And I think mm-hmm. that therefore means, and I, get, and I was listening to Biden's acceptance speech, and I think, I mean, uh, people will have a problem, particularly Bernie supporters and Elizabeth Warren supporters, but he kind of find those people on the other side of idealistic. And as much as on principle, I would love to see some of those redistributive policies. We live in a society with other people, and we do live in a society with diehard capitalists. And I feel like, sadly, I mean, they're all married, all I mean, as, you know, passionate and as radical as me, the minimum for that. But inevitably, if we do the kind of work that we want to see happen, we have to hold people and slowly carry them along. And also that involves conceding. And I feel like, all right, we're not going to get this particular part yet, but we will show you the benefits of my side and then slowly and make it go out things your way and keep looking at where you want to keep. Um, because there, there are certain themes that came out to me. So also, even in states where Biden won, or so if you look at Georgia, where in Georgia carried the sway? Atlanta, Fulton mm-hmm. County, DeKalb County, those counties um, where, uh, what's the other place? Savannah, which is you know, predominantly black. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed a trend of coastal states, big cities, and then in rural areas, there was Trump. And so I do wonder whether there's a level of the rural versus urban in how things play out, and it seems that the urban spaces are a bit more leaning towards Democrats, and rural spaces are a bit more leaning towards Republican. And what does that therefore mean? And we also, I also have to think about how oftentimes urban people do talk down to rural people. Mm-hmm. And so now in Trump, there's this person that is sticking it to the people from the big cities. What does it mean for me as a rural person that don't have all of your quote-unquote progressive values, based your progressive big city values, um, me not okay with my own little, my little piece um, where I am from. What does it mean to have somebody like Trump? And we need to think about why Trump was able to speak to the people that he was able to speak to. Also, we'll miss the reason I have a next Trump. Right. Um, and I'm hoping that, and this is like, it's so conflicting, right? Because I'm, I'm there, right? I'm thinking about what is it that is so threatening about a Kamala Harris or a Biden in power for the Trump camp, right? And I'm thinking, all right, all these things that they are, that they'll, all these policies that they might put forward, I'm thinking, how does my, what is getting, how does what is getting, what, what my right, right? How is getting my right infringe on yours and your well-being and your happiness? And that's where I'm trying to figure out that space. Like, how does that take away from what you already have? Because if you've been benefiting so much from the system, what is going to change? And so, what, like my uncle, right, who's Republican, one of the things he was lamenting was that he said America was going back to the dark ages. Um, but he didn't find the exact text where he said. And one of the things he brought up was guns. I'm like, huh? Lots of guns? That's, that's how much in things that now that you lament, friend? Really? And I think he said something about, um, oh, he said, a very sad day for America. No taxes, gun confiscation, no more gasoline. We're going back to the dark ages. Right? Wait, what? So... What is what exactly is 
the loss here because I'm not seeing it. Like if that's and I'm he's diehard Trump, and I'm like if that's what you guys are crying or seeing as loss from this election or from these people being elected, what exactly is the issue then? Um, but yeah, I think Biden and he might be up for the work, right? Trying to reunite. And I think a lot he's gonna get a lot of pushback from, like you said, like the the um Elizabeth Warren camp, because again, people on in the Trump camp are already bringing up the fact that if he decides to go a kind of Biden Warren route, then he's gonna alienate um or further alienate the, those people that you talk about. And I'm gonna end with him, but yeah, it's this really difficult work, and I feel like sometimes that's how politics is. And that's why, I mean, maybe it's, but I think somehow being an advocate, but being an advocate in the way that I am, J Flag, because of how J Flag is, um, we inevitably represent a whole constituency and are oftentimes treated as, gov- as gay government. I've joked about it before. Let me show you that we are back to government. And I think sitting in that position sometimes, and you see how you have to make these very difficult decisions about what is strategic and what is best. So even though there are certain values that you would hold dear, you know that if you go after those values, um, it would uh, benefit your community. I think the best example that I have, and this was before I was an advocate, a formal advocate, I should say, was when I was when the situation happened with Professor Brendan Bain in UA. So he was working at UA. Uh, I think it was UA Chart. Yeah, was it Chart or Hart? What? No, it's Chart. I think. Anyways, one 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 regional training institute where you did have to train people around providing HIV/AIDS-related care. Um, and Long story short, he, so in Belize at the time, they were challenging the, the, the sodomy laws in Belize, which they inevitably won, but he came in as an expert witness for the church's side. Um, and so there was an inherent conflict with him as somebody who's an HIV AIDS expert, def- essentially going on the side to defend the retention of the Bokri law when in the region, the established position in the region is that these kinds of laws are bad for HIV-AIDS work. And so they fired him. Um, and, and personally, I think they had all right to fire him. I can't work at JFAG and, and then publicly support the retention of the Bukula. It, it, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's connected in that way. Uh, it was a principal position to take. However, you know, they, they were certain actors in civil society pushed for his termination and the level of backlash that the community got was so significant because I felt like it was used, it was co-opted, it was turned into persecution by LGBT actors. What did it really about the LGBT people? They did that do it. Um, but it turned into that. Um, and, and, and I always tell people that you can be right and still lose. Like society don't build that way they way if you're right, you must win. That's not how it works. And I feel like a political leader has to know when to be less right in the present so you can be more right in the future. I think that's always a difficult work. And I said, sometimes when I hear some of the criticisms that people make, I get it because on principle, I believe it. But is it practical? Is it something that could really be done. And so when I think about even your uncle, I'm thinking, well, guns no matter to, to me are you. Access to guns no matter to, to me are you. But there is a value system. And I mean, my godmother's explained it to me, say, for them, them think they need gun because they live in some wild open space. And you know why you can't shut down and you know, so they still kind of know who is who. Granted, in my mind, if nobody never have access to God, then nobody would have nothing to shoot you with. But that is a reality for them, a reality that me living in Jamaica don't contend with in that way, a reality that maybe you in New York don't contend with in that way. And so I had to lend my mind to the possibility that maybe, even though I don't, I believe in gun control, I have to lend my mind to the possibility that even if I, on principle, I believe in gun control, 
that position can't be taken away everybody's guns. Right. 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 So the, um, go ahead. And it's like, I mean, even with the gun control, not to get like off topic with that, because I've, because I think what I'm seeing now in that, in order to come to some type of compromise, right? People are trying to, with the laws that they put forward, aren't necessarily trying to say you can't have guns. It's like, well, we want you to be able to be responsible for these guns and ensure that the individuals that we give these guns to are also responsible. So getting a background check, a mental health check and all those things, or limiting the type of gun that you can have. Like this one dude, there was this video circulating where in preparation for the aftermath of the election was showing his collection of guns, right? I'm talking about these machine war guns. This is what he's had. This, these are some of the things that they're defending, right? Being able to possess those things. And this, like, just this cabinet from floor to ceiling filled with bullets. And he's telling everybody, if you're running out of bullets, come see me. Um, long as we're defending Trump's honor and legacy, blah, 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 I'll be ready to share with you. I'm ready to go. So stuff like that, that irrational fear. Showing up to the ballot counting um, facilities with guns for what? Why are you showing up with guns? Like who? Those things. Like who are you trying to intimidate? Yelling, stop the count, stop the count! But you're showing up outside with guns, and you want people to side with you on that. Like that's that's something that. But yeah, um, especially since black men, if black men did it, it would be a different reaction. Right. Right. I remember, I remember when I was doing the thing, when I was doing that same thing, and we were having this conversation about gun control with state officials in the South, and I said, let us be honest, because when the Black Panthers did it, we didn't have the same perspective, and they couldn't say nothing, because a bitch knows my history. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult position to be in for bad um, uh, it's just the inconsistency, inconsistency and the hypocrisy for me. That's when it comes to so much fun, on, sometimes on the Republican side. I just that yeah. makes sometimes I just care, but I'd reach across the bridge, the aisle, or the hallway, whatever it is. Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of what you think. So the relief is there, but what do you? What are you looking forward to, and how will you kind of do what we talk about of hold them accountable, quote unquote? That's what I'm, that's what I'm um, honestly excited about, which is weird for me because um, I never really saw myself on that side. Like I was always like, oh, I'm an activist, I'm an advocate, but I never really saw myself um, getting excited about, all right, where do we go from here now? How do we begin to structure this work so that there's some strategy to it so that we are holding them accountable? And even though, yes, she's uh, my Jamaican sister, and yes, that's Uncle Joe, but how do we begin to hold them accountable? And I think we're at that place. Um, first of all, I'm hoping that Kamala is already doing that for Joe Biden, right? Um, but I think there are a lot of people, when you think about those that they associate themselves with, um, like the Stacey Abrams and the I'm trying to remember the other names that were like instrumental in this election. I think they kind of have that in place, but trying to figure out where, where does my work stand in holding them accountable or in trying to do that. And I think that's a, that's a question that everybody's asking themselves because we don't want to have happen what happened with Obama, right? I think what happened with Obama and people are saying, I wasn't living here, so I can just repeat what they're saying, was that the um, when Obama won, we were like, yes, America is now post-racial and black people get what is due to black people and um, all the other minorities and underserved and disenfranchised populations are about to start getting what they deserve. And that was not necessarily what happened. Um, so now we're trying to figure out how do we prevent that from happening? Yeah, some, very, some really tough considerations, I think. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I'm excited though, because I've, I've one thing that I felt like I was like, okay, great, my work is going to be supported. Um, there's going to be more support for people like me looking to do this social justice, social equity work. Because again, if you think back, Trump had done, uh, had started, you know, calling this type of work racist and so on. Um, and so, if somebody like Joe or Kamala is there 
there is value to be seen in this kind of work. And so I'm excited to see how we can begin to reap that. Yes, but then I guess the other question is that many persons would ask, were things that much better under the others though? Because a lot of the evidence of systemic racism only came up um, while Obama was in administration and how much work was actually done. So I guess that's also part of the conversation. And if you look at things from like a, a foreign policy standpoint, it, um, the democratic foreign policy approach kind of left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think people are, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like people don't know where to go from here. We don't know. Um, that's the honest answer. We don't quite know. We just know that we cannot have um, a repeat of what happened. And that's also problematic in itself because now we're like, well, what is the collective ask when it comes to those foreign policies, those systematic, um, systemic oppression, like those, what, what is the, what, what do we want? And people don't know that answer. Um, it's all over the place. Like last week we were talking, we had a quick conversation about defunding the police and what that means. Like there's still these different rhetorics with different interpretations and, that might, I think that might cause some issues for us going forward. So for you as like a black queer, you know, immigrant, are there any particular things that you per se are looking for? Any particular policies that you want to kind of see implemented? I never gave thought to that. Hmm. I to ask you, So, I mean, the, one thing that I'm looking forward to, and it's more aligned with my work, is just the funding of social justice work, right? How we, and I've already started be, to, to kind of have those conversations with like different funders, like how do we fund organizations that are on the ground, these grassroots efforts, doing the work in these communities, um, being more supportive of them. That's one thing that I'm looking forward to. I don't know if that, well, it does have ties, right, to the federal government and so on, but it didn't feel like it was more so something that would concern Joe and Kamala at this point. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the immigration policies, where then I think some relaxing of some of the new ones that were that were coming in. Because I mean, I think Trump had started this or was about to start this whole based on criteria. Um, Essentially, would you be of use to the U.S. when you got here? Um, I don't remember the exact phrase that they used, but I would love to see some reversal of that. Um, but, you know, so here's the thing, though. From where I sit, though, interestingly enough, a lot of the work that, you know, the U.S. through their different, you know, developmental systems, it didn't shift from the Jamaican perspective, right? Um, so... Uh, there, was, there, there are certain things that you know, I'm watching, but there weren't any major shifts that, would have, that I could pinpoint to being a, a feature of the Trump administration per se. Um, but it's definitely something I'm paying attention to. You know, there were, so like certain things like rolling back, like the negative you know, policies around trans persons participating in the military, that was something that, you know, it was not great to see. Uh, the kind of ways in which Trump was egging on in different ways uh, white supremacist organizations, mm-hmm. kind of low key support, like low key and high key supporting them, and it was like, mm, no, and then you're gonna say you've done more for the black community than any other sitting president since Abraham Lincoln, and I'm like, now how Abe getting it? <laughs> They may not even said nothing and they put him in it, you know? <laughs> it's, so there are those little things that, I mean, I do still think, and I will always think that there needs to be, I don't know if it's going to ever happen. Right. There needs to be a space cultivated where Americans, whether the South and the North, the urban, the rural, but however the representation pops up, talk about the fact that they have to go to a war to end slavery. I think that, and, and that is definitely occasioned by 
uh, my visit to the, um, the, Afri the, the, uh, the Museum of African American Culture and History, History and Culture, that museum in DC. Mm. Have you been? No, I haven't. You should definitely go. So I remember walking the museum and you start at the bottom and you come all the way up. And at the end, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, at the end, you kind of see Obama. So you see the enslavement, you see um, how people were treated, you see um, abolition, the civil war, you see then reconstruction, you see all the efforts to still keep black people on plantations, all the efforts to still keep black people subdued, all the effort, whatever it is, redlining, the attack on Black Wall Street, you see all these things. And then you see that context that makes Barack Obama so important because they put Obama's election at the end and you're like, oh my gosh, this is why it, it, it has to be this way. Just like, and that's for however long, it just gives you a glimpse into that history and you get it. And so for me, I think somewhere along the line, everybody needs to sit on a table or they really need to it. Because for some reason, enslavement has been tied to Southern identity. And if not enslavement, the racism, the, mm. the certain cultural values, certain aspects of, of racism and institutionalized racism has been tied there. And that needs to be worked through. Uh, in the same way that homophobia is tied to Jamaican identity, and we have a confront and work through that. Uh, there's a way in which the, I don't think it's ever been addressed, and the fact that it kept on happening, there kept on being attempts. So now you have the industrial prison complex, so there's a pipeline for for, for African American um, black, um, African American men to end up in prisons, which end up becoming forced to labor for private companies primarily owned by white men. Like, the system of slavery continues to be manifested in how America organizes itself. And mm. I, I, I think the problem is that people are constantly, not many tabloids, we need to talk about it, man. We don't have a cup, we don't have a Bible. I would just say, I would say, girl, it don't look good. Why you don't like you, why you? Man, no, man. Well, are we not ready to have that conversation, child? I mean, like I said, it's the hypocrisy, inconsistency, and um, two-time foolishness with a Republican and keep up for me. I just, I just can't get, those conversations, Glenn, are not new. And I used to like think that, right? But when I started going into these work and I'm um, reading and listening to these different people, like Dr. Is it Bettina, Bettina Love or something, I think whose work is considered radical, or we have this other lady, I forgot her name, I watched like her two-hour presentation about post-traumatic slave disorder or some shit, and how she like, the same, like how you laid out, right? Those conversations are not new, but people who have those conversations are either pushed to the side, they're um, called radicals, they're, told, they're being told that their ideas are too out there, um, the shit that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, like it's, again, it's not new, but we keep disregarding them as too radical, as too out there. Like you're looking to up end the system. And it's like, but that's kind of what needs to happen. Like whether we do it incrementally, whether we do it gradually, whether we do it just one big sweep, that's what needs to happen. Those are the conversations that we need to have. But again, whenever it is. Because we get too uncomfortable and we don't like sitting in the discomfort. And once we get to that piece, it's like we have to. She has an interesting argument. Trump forced us to sit in the discomfort for four years. And what did we do? We, we hurried up and got rid of him. I mean, not the best side of the discomfort because he wasn't like, he was consciously putting us in the discomfort for us to address the issue. But his presidency from the or for worse forced us to talk about the worst parts of America. And the question, therefore, is even as a Biden-Harris presidency um, administration, even as that now, you know, and big up, you know, still, let's stop and, you know, big up Kamala Harris for being the first black woman, first woman of color, first woman of South Asian descent, all of the first 
the first woman to be a vice. Mm-hmm. You know, rise like a second gentleman apparently that them carry it. Yes. So big are up, you know. I'm not gonna make a big deal out of our Jamaican descent, but it's still nice for your say or somehow in the mix because you know sure you know we're from enough of ourselves and that's what I've all I'm Come from good stock. Yeah. Um <laughs> but I don't know if what they, I mean, of course, it was very good to hear Biden talk about systemic racism. It was mm-hmm. very good to hear, you know, talk about those things to say we need to address it. Yes, police, whatever, whatever. Um, but them have a problem that needs to be fixed. I I just hope it doesn't put us back into the lull. Put us back into the thinking, just like when Barack was in, he was the president, and all black man president, all problems solved. Just like uh, we, um, yet and still, Trayvon Martin happens, um, and so I'm hoping. And and also, let me see. I'm about to look up the soapbox. So I hope so we don't go back to that position. We think, oh, black woman, there now, everything all right. Because the truth, the problem isn't even. Of course, it's a problem that black men die the way and black boys die the way they do. But the real problem is, is that police know they will get away with it. That's the problem. Because see, um, Brianna Taylor, eh? the last setup in our way, when we could have read it, that's it, when nothing got happen. They're not going to go jail for no murder. Because the fact say you can't have people that bust up in your house without any type of forewarning in the middle of the night. You wake up, you disoriented, you don't know what is what. You just reach for your gun because you think that kill man could kill you. Right? The law allows you to have a gun to respond to threats of death. The law allows them to come into your place with guns to respond to, to effect some warrant. The fact that them do something that possible means that the law is allowing somebody for them. Inevitably. The last set it up, the last said you can have a gun, and the last said you can have a gun. The last said you can bust up in another place and shoot it up, but not necessarily shoot it up. The last said you can bust up in another place at any time without telling me anything. The last said me, if me feel threatened, I can shoot. What What is going to happen? This system set up a particular way, but what it also does, it gives guns to certain people more. It gives access to guns to certain people more. So last, the law says whenever there's a confrontation, a black man will die. Inevitably, that is what the law says. Yes. I mean, I will pay for each lesson. As Melissa does say, if you think about even that Trevor Martin case, are the same thing, right? Like, you must, that, when, when Zimmerman was standing his ground, and so what, so what was, so what was um, homegirl boyfriend did I do? Like, he felt threatened, and he used his legally owned gun that he has a permit for to bust a warning shot. He never killed nobody, he bust a warning shot. And who ended up dead? A woman, I went in the prison. Well, I think he's out now, but which one of them after him go prison? And you know what was interesting? I spoke to the, the Sanford Police Department about Trayvon Martin. And you know what them tell me? They told me that it was a standard road law that was used for George Zimmerman. It was regular self-defense laws. Now, Curry. Curry. Me, you know, he's not a liar, but me didn't waste my time at school and get two law degrees. I lay it out in front of them. And I said, listen to me, I have a rudimentary understanding of law, but this is what is supposed to happen when there is a claim of self-defense. Somebody dead, somebody must lock up. It's a simple something, you know. There is prima facie case of a murder. You lock them up, they bring them to, they bring them to the station. You know, the issue of bail is raised. Once the issue of bail is raised, you decide what's going to happen next, right? If you give me the key, they never arrest the man. One body dead. I mean, if we talk about Trayvon, so I'm just like, there's a dead child, a minor, a dead minor. And you accept self-defense? Therefore, you never arrest him, not even arrest him. That does not make any sense. Because simple rules say there is a prima facie to the, on the face of it. Simple, base, base, but prima facie mean as they look on it, one crime look like it look like it There's reasonable suspicion in, 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 in face full of blood. Right? Even if you believe he was fighting, there is a prima facie case of murder. Self-defense goes to intent. He has to prove intent at court. Arrest him. 
and make him let the court decide. Because it's not for police to decide whether or not he have a guilty mind. It's for the court to do that. So I don't ever arrest him and then give him bail. If them think that there's reason to give him bail. They did not even do that. Right? And then they did not come talk about me that I give it to them in that meeting, you see? I did give it to them. Because I am like, they're an idiot. It's so, it's so court case, so close to go. And I know Florida land is much that far from our one, except the foolishness with standard growth, but I never standard growth, I accept it. Like it is, it is the most frustrating thing to think about how the laws are constructed that way. And so I, I am hoping, as much as I believe in reaching across the aisle, and as much as I believe in getting, trying to understand where the other side is coming from, so that you can at least develop policies in an incremental way that have been buying, but believe in all of that as mm. But in terms of what we believe in our outcome, is that the outcome is bad. And yes, I am glad we are at a place where the people who have been elected are saying the outcome is bad. What I'm hoping though, is that we not into our right. Because if we believe that Trump was the start of anything, we are fooled. Trump is the inevitable result of America. Child. Again, the hypocrisy and the incon inconsistency for me. I think what I'm really hopeful, and I don't remember who I said this to, is that they've already begun grooming the next, um, the next leadership, at least for Democrats. Right? I hope they've started grooming so that they could continue this change and so that it's sustainable. Because the reality is, Biden is 77, and... I don't know if they might give two year, two term, I mean, but he's 77. And I hope that they're constantly thinking about how to keep this going because, child, I would hate for another Trump or, I don't want to say another Republican because I hate generalizing in that sense, but I didn't put Trump as the Republican nominee. So I would just hate that. They are going to, because they have a tall order ahead of them, right? It's a lot of shit that they're going to have to try to contend with. It's the, 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 the criminal system, it's racism, it's education. It's just, it's everywhere because this has, like, it deeply embedded in America at this point. Um, right now, I'm them probably for just find one new planet, put find one new America or something. But the thing is, I would hate that they lose this momentum. And I hope that they're actually actively thinking about how to, um, groom the next generation of leadership, um, the AOCs, the because um, AOC has a reputation for herself, and trust me, it will take a whole generation of people like me for really like elect AOC because the old people are just like, look, look, girl, you're feisty, bad. I'm gonna beat you. Have manners and go sit down. Um, but yeah, hopefully they're thinking about that. Um, in the interest of time, one. I was saying, I'm glad that you flagged that for it to be possible, it means there has to be political participation of process. You know what I mean? I mean, I do once again conceptually accept that, you know, fear is fear. If you don't see somebody will earn your vote, you shouldn't feel compelled to vote. And voting is not the only way you participate in a political process. What I'm not necessarily here for is people who throw cold water on every potential solution and don't add nothing, right? The other term say, is the lesser of two evils. That is fucking fine. That is fine. That me will choose the lesser of two evils. So it's either me get shot in on my foot or get shot in on my heart. Never choose a shot in on the foot because we probably can recover from that. I am sorry, right? Me don't know why we, we think saying the lesser of two evils make us somehow special. Oh, I'm right. I recognize the problems in both of them. All I want to fool, all I want to say, the two of them are problematic. The whole I understand the system. We might not describe it in the same words that you do, but all I will understand the system. But what are you going to do about it? Since you can read into all of the epistemology and the ontology and all of the knowledge them, I have to go, what problem? What are you going to do about it? Right? I mean, I understand people just want to live their life. I understand not everybody have the wherewithal to be a part of the political process, right? And think about like they're just the everyday average worker. But you know, the reality is the everyday average worker more likely to go out and vote than the people who perch on top and view and I tell you, oh, everything works and where everything's a problem. Like, I, 
there has to be a recognition. And also, the reason I also said this, it become a realized thing in terms of the vote, there were more black persons over 25 than persons under 25. Not just because of population, just how much of them actually actively participated, right? And then both put our own progressive on on the Twitters and on the socials. Then first, that put up the hashtag NSARS and NDSA and cost everybody who now put up money. But when time come to actually even take one little step to do one little thing, the kind of effect change, nothing, crickets, and I personally tired of it, right? There's multiple ways you can participate in a political process. Sitting and just talking about what you've read, goes so far and no more. Because it's not like you have to take it and attack to the people in where I actually do something about it. You're not even attacking them people in. It's attacking them like a group of five friends who read the same book. Girl, Ready like, to the gram. Bye. Come on, I'm so back now. I was on an intergenerational panel Saturday, <laughs> and this was the same thing. It's like, we had somebody from Baby Boomers all the way down to, a, I think we had a Gen Z person, and this was the spirit of the conversation, like, look, all right, yeah, when we get it, but when I think they not quite get it. about social issues, like, all of the things that they might read, was it about the very people, and what did I live the same experience, when they might read about? Like, it's just like, the world never start with, you know, <laughs> everything you read about is about actions taken by the very people, that they do it, them did a trial and error it out. When they did a, do them, them 1970s rebellions and did a try bringing more socialist type policies and a try do them kind of economic justice work. We're reading about people who actually got up and did shit, right? It might never didn't work like how them did think. Yeah. But at the time, they were just doing what they thought would have worked. We, it's our responsibility, know that we have the knowledge and read all of the articles that we did write what they did do. No, it's our time to develop new strategies and take the good from the bad and do the work. But we can never say every girl, every girl wants to talk about the work, but not one girl do the work. That is what I see with, these, with the young people these days. What am I done? <laughs> So I'm going to talk about the, because um, we know of bringing the queer aspect of it and the LGBTQ aspect of it, because I think this election saw a lot of um, queer representation in some of the most, in some of the most, in some of the highest offices. And um, I think that's noteworthy. We should definitely have a quick conversation at least around around that. Not all of them are queer persons of color, but we give thanks for the representation nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so, now big up Sarah McBride, who's yeah. the first openly transgender state senator. And isn't she, is she the first trans person to be? Oh, she's in the state senate. But still, big R up. Because, you know, for particularly trans women, even though she's not a woman of color from what I'm seeing, um, you know, trans women still disproportionately experience violence and homelessness and, and discrimination. So, uh, I'm just hoping particularly that, you know, someone like her opens the door for not just other trans women and trans persons overall, but for trans issues. For sure. It says, when she's sworn in, McBride will become the nation's highest ranking openly transgender elected official. So, right. Um, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee's General Assembly gains two openly LGBTQ politicians. So, Tori Harris, which is um, a queer person of color, a black queer man. He is um, Tennessee. He was elected to Tennessee state representative as a Democrat, and on the Republican style, still noteworthy is this other individual. Um, what name? Eddie Manis. Eddie Manis, um, who is an openly gay elected again Tennessee state legis um, state representative. Lots of people that everywhere they're on two sides, they can't come together on the two sides. I, when I saw this, I was like, hopefully this means that they're talking to each other at some point about something, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see his little blazer. It has all the names of people who passed. I see um, Eric Garner, Mike That's Brown. Go ahead. Mando Castile. Yeah, Vermont legislature adds their first openly trans member, big up themselves again. Taylor Small, you better come through. 
Georgia finally elects first openly LGBTQ state senator. Kim Jackson and out lesbian become Georgia's first openly LGBTQ representative in the state's history. Yes, women um, of color. Yes. Um, Georgia. And they re-elected their um, first openly gay rep- state representative, Sam Park, which is good. I mean, I mean they expect to see more considerance um Georgia, well, Atlanta, that's the, the capital of the world, but... Yeah, home of the girls. All the girls. <laughs> um, and I think lastly, no, not lastly, but in New York, maybe I used to say because this is your hometown, I'm part of... Yes, Richie Torres. Some, everybody was asking me if I know Richie Torres, and I was like, all right, well, first, <laughs> first of all, we don't all know each other. <laughs> And not because I'm in New York, we don't going to know him, but thanks for thinking of me. Um, Richie Torres uh, made history. He is the um, representative for the 15th Congressional District in South Bronx and became the first queer Afro-Latinx elected official to serve in Congress, as well as, there was another one, right? Mondeer Jones. Mondeer Jones, um, who I think was also elected to Congress. Um, He's in New York 17th Congressional District. In Westchester and Rockland. And then Kansas elects first openly transgender lawmaker, Stephanie Byers, a retired witch, witch, witch mm-hmm, teacher, one in Kansas on Tuesday. Um, another notable victory for the LGBTQ community. So yeah, we're making strides and I am here for all of it. Um, I'm trying to be better at following elected LGBTQ elected officials it's starting to become a quite, the list is growing because even in the state of New Jersey, we have quite a few. Those that I'm actually in contact with and have them on like Facebook and so on, but I'm really trying to do better with following the representation of queer individuals in politics and following their work. You know, I mean, so for me, it's hard when you just like when they talk, walk the walk and talk the talk, these are the people that are putting themselves up to walk the walk and talk the talk. Because at the end of the day, everybody normally believes visibility is liberty. And I am one of those people who think by being out in the spaces that we are, we slowly make the difference, right? We create opportunities. So even the quiet queer people in the Jamaican parliament are making the difference. Like they're having mm. a conversation. And I love to see it. You know, I, I mean, I'm very hopeful for the day when we can have an out member of parliament doing the work you know and i feel like that's what you have to do like you have all of these ideas reach out to one of these people say i trust the head people then reach out to one of these people and they'll reach out to them like all oh, them owe you something come and say girl you see up there some of what idea let's see what can happen like also there are many politicians that you possibly can reach out to send an email to share research you'd have a meeting with there's so many things that you can do to play your little part. Nobody last year, everybody was bit of road. I mean, I was certain someone seen did it, right? But also supporting, galvanizing support, educating members of your community to be aware of the issues, connecting those members of your community to the different state officials. And things like, there's so much we can do to kind of get build on this momentum. Because at the end of the day, we, we must remember the world that we live in. The vote teaches something. America. It was Nick, it was a close win. Then both break records. Everybody did swear said Trump never get the sweep and Trump show on the fact. In Avonipa supporters, there are a lot of people, there are 70 odd million people in America to kind of convince, if even not to switch all of them political values, convince why Trump was a bad candidate. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of people, I don't I don't think everybody will vote for Trump, vote for Trump, I think they vote for the Republican policy. Right. But either way, there's a lot of people to talk to, right? And there's even there's certainly you know even enough amount of people on both sides to have the conversation with. So um, that therefore means there's a lot of work to do. So you know, seventy eight million people vote. Seventy eight million people have work to do from a seat. That's true. One for self to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I would like to note though that the like the, the internet on the international scene, apart from the fact that we were the laughing stock, and apart from the fact that my Canadian friends kept telling me America is not a real place, it is good also and funny in some instances to see the reaction of some of the other world leaders. Like I know um, Justin Trudeau 
was like looking forward to building our friendship or something like that. Uh, and that's a sentiment that other countries have, right? Looking forward to continuing the work, looking forward to repairing, looking forward to correcting past mistakes and so on. Um, and it's so sad that I guess we had fallen out of grace with all these other places. Um, but I guess I, like, like the people who live here outside, there is hope for America. And um, I, I'm going to try to focus on that hope and do my part to keep that going. Um, I'm not gonna say every day is gonna be, you know, I'm ready, let's go roll up the sleeves, let's do the work, but I think for now, I'm in a good space and I'd like to. Just one, one, one day, one day a quarter you do. That's the whole year, and you're good. Right. So, um, thank you listeners for listening, you know. Uh, we're one fish down, but still two fish strong. <laughs> Um, thank you so much um, for listening. I hope this is very fun and engaging for you. Definitely give us your feedback on this this episode. Send out your love to Cornell. Um, I will definitely tweet out something so you guys can send out your love um, for him. Remember to like us and share our pages and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fish Street Podcast. And you can email us your feedback and suggestions at fishtreepodcast at gmail.com. Um, tell us what you think. Rate us on all the app and we listen to it fun. And it is fun. Stay educated. Bye.